Welcome to Our Justice Journey, a podcast designed to educate others on how to fight for social justice as youth and beyond. Today we'll be interviewing social justice warrior Amaya Nugera. Committing to fighting injustice through literacy, education, and organizing, Amaya Nugera Mujika works tirelessly to integrate theory into practice. From 2005 to 2007, she worked as an assistant bilingual teacher in Harlem, New York. She has led youth programs on cultural awareness and youth advocacy throughout the Northwest. She's done research research on youth intervention programs, restorative justice practices, and alternative discipline techniques at the Metropolitan Center for Urban Education at New York University, and served as a lead director of the Parent Project at the Du Bois Institute at Harvard University. From 2009 to 2012, she worked as a coordinator and curriculum specialist for Sacramento Area Youth Speaks, an alternative literacy program based out of UC Davis School of Education. From 2012 to 2015, she recruited, trained, and developed social justice curriculum for over 35 ELE teachers and poet mentor educators throughout the Sacramento region. Amaya served as a private consultant and classroom coach helping educators in Oakland public schools align their craft with principles of inclusion and cultural relevance, as well as served as Lee Community and Engagement Specialist for Europe Bay Area, a workforce development program for young adults, 18 to 24 years old, working close with community-based organizations to develop strategies and working relationships founded on the ideals of self-actualization and community support. Amaya worked as the Northern California Regional Account Manager for the American Reading Company to address issues of inequity through literacy. She served the Latino Equity Project as a lead facilitator, continuing to make safe space and make visible Black Latinx folks on the West Coast who are so often overlooked. Currently, Amaya serves as a program officer for the region. A dedicated parent, Amaya has had opportunities to expand on this work in countries all over the Caribbean and Central and South America with individuals and organizations dedicated to dismantling justice. Amaya Nugera Mujica received her Bachelor's of Arts degree in Educational Theory from New School University in 2007. She has received national acclaim for her efforts as a writer, organizer, and a commitment to, her so- to social change. In today's podcast, Amaya Nugera will speak to us about the importance of the growing resistance. She's an admirable equity warrior, and we are extremely honored to have her here to share her knowledge with us today. So thank you for um, setting aside some time to come here. Our first question is, how do you define liberation? Okay, so <laughs> first, I must say, That was an extremely long bio. I apologize for that. (laughs) Um, I define liberation, um, even as I I think about the bio and you, you, you know, you read me about my life, right? Share with me the efforts I've made in my life. I, I think about like the freedom that I've, I've lived with in, in the privileges I've had throughout my life because of who my family and my village and my community were, right? Um, I was never forced to live in a box. I was never forced to um, confine myself to anybody's ideals. And um, I was very aware that that was unique, right? And that that was not everybody's experience. And I moved in a way where people would say I had a lot of confidence and maybe I did. Maybe I just had like a lot of, um, like maybe I was just oblivious to their potential harm, right? Because the way I moved, 
and um, the way I was raised to move was with the mindset that I'm moving with, you know, a million ancestors behind me, yeah, including my mother. Um, and so with that, um, that, you know, like my mother and um, the other ancestors that are behind me, that I have to continue the work that they were doing, right? And that whatever I'm doing day in and day out, that I'm, I'm trying to do my best to help someone else uh, step into that, right? Because I think <clears throat> the myth of heaven and hell just being something as an afterlife experience is something that is, is dangerous for us to give into, to subscribe to, because we can create that for ourselves here in the very moment, yeah. right? And it's a choice um, and, and I, not to excuse um, real life hardships and, and people, you know, experiencing trauma, um, but to say that how we are experiencing things and how we are aligning ourselves with, with community and with villages that support each other and, and provide spaces for ourselves to explore that, um, the more powerful we can be. Yeah, I really like that. I like your whole idea, you know, just talking about your family, your ancestors and stuff, like you've had so much love that you have so much love to give, you know what I mean? And I think that's really beautiful. Our next question is, do you think that there's a need for more black and brown unity in the fight for social change? Of course, claro que sí. Yes, as a black Latina, um, I'm always black first. Uh, my mother is Peruvian though and um, my father is from Jamaica. My father's family is from Jamaica and Trinidad, Trinidad by way of Venezuela. So, you know, like my my ancestral roots run in the indigenous people of the Americas as well as African roots, mm -hmm. and the complexity that that holds, right? Um, especially growing up on the West Coast. Yes. So, <clears throat> I forgot why I was going down that road. But the reason I was is because growing up in Berkeley, California and living in North Oakland, Berkeley area, like the idea of <clears throat> blackness was so expansive because of the pro-black movement that happened here um, that, you know, and, and it doesn't matter in this area if you're Cambodian, if you're Laotian, if you are uh, Filipino or or Mexican or or you know whatever, um, you can align yourself with blackness, and there's acceptance in that and um, and embracing that happens. But I moved in my high school um, to Boston. And that was the first time that I experienced in, in Cambridge. Um, that was the first time I experienced um, like anti-blackness and like people not wanting to be black mm -hmm. that look like me or darker. Yeah. And it was the first time that I was made aware that people that look like me could sometimes think they weren't black mm -hmm. because there was such a negative association to that. And it sickened me and it made me like disgusted that there were people that could not see the beauty in blackness. Mm 
and that didn't want to be associated with that. And um, I fight every day to make sure that my kids and anyone who knows me knows that I'm all about the black and brown solidarity and um, the healing that needs to happen for, for, from those communities. Because I really, although my mother is Peruvian, I'm very alienated from my um, Latino family. And a lot of that ha does has to do with race and racism. And um, if we're real about that and we're real about uh, what's keeping us apart <clears throat> and also what should be bringing us together, yeah. uh, it only makes sense that we can easily align. Yeah, yeah. And my question is like to that point, even with black and brown unity, do you still think black and brown people need their own exclusive spaces? Of course, yes. The white gaze is real, black and brown people. I think so because Latinos are not a, a race, mm -hmm. it becomes tricky because there are Latinos of every race, mm -hmm. right? And uh, you could be white and Latino, you could be white and, or, or black and Latino, right? You could, yeah. you could be across the gamut, right? And so it's not enough sometimes to say, like brown spaces, because like, mm -hmm. what does that mean, yeah. right? When there are some people who still, the the physicality, race doesn't make sense. It was made up, right? Yeah. And so race is really about your phenotype, your physical mm -hmm. appearance, uh, your physicality. And because of that, um, it, it's, it can be problematic to have spaces um, that include people who don't get <laughs> the experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. of of brown folks right and they can cause us cause similar harm like white folks mm -hmm. even in um in spaces that are safe right and so yeah, yeah, it's yeah. important for us to have exclusive spaces for for black and brown uh folks to coexist and and to be uh exempt from the white gaze and from um, from having to explain it to people who don't get it. Exactly. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I definitely agree. You know, sometimes you need those spaces, you know, so it's not always like you have to code switch or like you were saying, you know, have to change the way you act. You just can't like be free in what you're saying. You know what I mean? Or have to filter yourself. So I think that's really important. We thank you for listening to part one of our justice journey with Amaya Nugera. To further listen to this discussion, feel free to visit part two.